0: for another edition of the Calgary Stampeder Podcast, a presentation of Valentine Volvo. Valentine Volvo, longtime supporter of Stampeder football on Newstalk 770. Now joining us on our newly minted podcast. I tell you, you got a problem, what do you do? You call the fire department. My problem, well, I don't know, maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's just the best day ever. Jock Wilson, not around, doing something, I don't know, whatever it is, so I call the fire department for help. And who do I get Randy Chevrier, a recent firefighter, but a longtime member of the Calgary Stampeders and a great friend uh, of uh, 770 CHQR. Chevy, my friend, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you, Dave?
0: Not too bad. Uh, just, hey, before we get into the football stuff, let's just get caught up. Uh, you, you've been a firefighter how long now?
1: Well, I'm just going on two years now. So wow. uh, July uh, July 5th will actually be my... Uh anniversary uh of my uh my first day on the job and uh it's uh yeah no it's been it's been a fantastic experience i have to tell you it's it's exceeded my expectations as far as uh as a career and and how it fulfills me as a as a person and what i get to do every day i get to help people every day and uh um you know uh, and i do it with a bunch of guys that are really awesome and and uh yeah i, I have to say every facet of of that career has uh has fulfilled me in a way that I didn't see uh, see before I even got on the job. So I'm 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 super lucky, super fortunate. Uh, you know, and I feel like the luckiest person. I, I went from one dream career, uh, and now I get to be in another dream career. I mean, not too many people get to to live that on in their lifetime. So um, yeah, I, I'm super fortunate and appreciative of of uh, what I what I've got here. And and uh, yeah, no, I, I don't take it lightly for sure.
0: Hey, I just want to drag you back uh, into your old life, if I can, uh, for a few minutes today. Sure. and Yeah, talk a little football here. Uh, Stan Peters, it was the season opener. Not so good against Ottawa. There were some good. There were some bad. There were some uh, real, real ugly out there. Uh, I, when you think about all the changes going into this year, have, have you seen a year? Did you go through a year like that where there was just so much turnover in so many areas?
1: Uh, you know what? Uh, I haven't really... I mean, but, but it's kind of like league-wide. Uh, it, it, it really surprised me how much change there was in the league. Um, you know, with the quarterbacks, the coaching changes, uh, you know, it was a lot of uncertainty even coming in with the collective bargaining. agreement. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, a, it's an interesting season. I, I'll tell you that for sure.
0: It's got to be tough, uh, you know. Again, change is a constant in football. It's just, you know, part of the job that you guys uh, have come to accept. But sort of, what does it do to a locker room dynamic when you just have so many guys moving in and out uh, in short order?
1: Yeah, you know, Dave. I'm going to think about that because, you know, I have eleven team pictures on my wall, Stampede or team pictures from all the years I was there. Mm-hmm. And there was a ton of change. I think it's it's when change comes at key positions. You know, when you lose a, a, a guy like Singleton and and uh, some of the other guys they lost, um, those are key positions, and that's hard to recover from because it's, it's hard to, to replace a superstar. You know, if, uh, I mean, fortunate for Stan Peters, uh, unfortunate maybe for him, but I think he's in a great place. No, know, we didn't lose both. Uh I couldn't imagine losing your star quarterback and what it would do to you, right? Yeah. And yet... Um, you know we're, we're stable at that position but yeah when you lose a couple of key pieces you always wonder how are we going to replace him what you know uh, think about you know I just think about like when we had Joffrey Reynolds as a running back for years and it's like well how are you going to not lose a step from Joffrey Reynolds I mean he's five years in a row thousand yard back but then next year, you know you got Cornish, right and Cornish shows up, and he becomes John Cornish, one of the greatest Canadians uh, to ever play the game. And then next thing you know, like, well, how do you ever replace Cornish? And you find Eric Rogers. And I think the Stamps, uh, especially since I've been there, have done a phenomenal job of filling those holes. It seems like this year, and I think we mentioned it before we started, uh, you know, especially on defense, there are a ton of new guys. Like when I heard the starting roster on uh, – on your your um, broadcast on the weekend as I was driving to work, uh, I was listening to the names on the defense, and I like I only recognized two. I only recognized Cordell Law and Brandon Smith. And, um, you know, I thought, geez, that's a lot of change. But the locker has to adapt. The locker room has to adapt. And the great thing is there are times where guys are just waiting for their chance to step up and uh, be that leader, be that next guy that kind of kind of takes you – where you want to, where you want to go, right? And and I, and I think that's part of the evolutionary process of a team too, to give other guys a chance to kind of um, take the lead. You know, if you think about the last uh, before Alex Singleton, great, you know, middle linebacker DeJuan Simpson. You know, he he was he was a presence in the locker room, but then when he was gone, you know, Alex got to shine, right? And and it, and it's kind of, I think every year it happens on a team. Uh, it's happened so many times on the St. For sure, there were always consistent guys. Like when I played, Nicholas was there as long as I was there. Uh, for the early part, Henry Burris was there. And, you know, big characters, big presence. But when those guys left, other guys took their place. And I think that's the fantastic thing about football. You never know who's going to step up. You never know who's going to shine. Uh, you know, look at this weekend. You know, except for the result, you got a defense that got, was it, four picks? Yeah. That's unbelievable. One guy gets three. Is that Trey, is Trey, Trey Roberson, Roberson? Yeah, Trey Roberson. I mean, he gets three picks. Who does that, right? <laughs> so, 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 so that's those are those are positives. Those are shining moments because guys are wondering who's going to step up. So, you know, uh, the loss I don't think has much to do with the change as much as maybe just figuring things out and one team getting out of the gates a little stronger or. or I mean, I thought the stamps got out of the it. gates quite strong, to tell you the truth. I didn't think yeah. they would be a let off at the end, but uh, in terms of the you know the sixty minute performance, one team put in a full sixty, and the other team, well, they, they didn't uh, put in exactly what uh, the sixty minutes required for them to get the two points.
0: One uh, one thing you did point out that uh, there's guys like you know Jay Wall, Brandon Smith, uh, you know Renee Paredes, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell. Key cogs of the leadership machine in that locker room stayed intact. Does that help a, a room manage change when there's the guys around that know what the culture is and can make sure that the the, the new people adapt to that culture and, and don't change what's been a successful room?
1: Yeah, no, it absolutely has to. It, 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 it uh, Those guys have to. And and that's the thing, like, you know, I think of some guys, and, and you mentioned a lot of the big stars, like obviously Renee and Bo, uh, and Jay Wall, Smitty, like those guys are like, you know, they're the, the roots. But then it's like a few other guys uh, that get a chance, like uh, Will Longley, Charlie Power. Uh, some of the guys on the offensive line, like Shane Bergman, uh, you know, uh, Derek Dennis, get a chance to solidify his spot there as far as what he can bring to the team in terms of leadership. He's been there for a while, uh, you know. Uh, you know, Cordell Law, uh, you know, he's going to get a chance to be a big leader there. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, I think it's it's exactly important what you said that guys take what the culture was and build on it but now they get to put their own spin. I'll tell you what, everyone asked me, they said, you know, they said, chef, you miss play football. Every time, every time I go in the and, and, and hall the, and the game is on, anytime I walk, people are like, you miss the game. You miss the game. And I, I kind of miss it. Uh, but I, I really love my current career. So I can't say that I miss it so much that I run back. to. it. I tell everyone, I said, I got three games in November, but, uh, but I tell you, last year was the first year when I watched that team and I followed them on Instagram, and I, I felt like I wanted to be part of that wave. What they put in that locker room, the games they were playing, like I was like, that's a team that I want to be part of. And that was—I'm not to say anything negative about the teams I was on before, but it just seemed like they had a different energy than some of the teams I was on. And when that Great Cup uh, pregame warm-up started, I tell you, I've never felt more like I wanted to be on the sidelines since I retired than that game. And it wasn't because it was a chance to get the Great Cup. I just felt their energy. And that was last year's team. And last year's team won the Great Cup. This year's team, a little different, they're going to have to figure out how to bring that energy and then put their own little spin on it. Because if they do exactly the same things as they did last year, guess what? Other teams are going to do a little bit more. And I think that's part of the process. And, uh you know, I'm, I'm excited for the year. I was, I was uh, again, super disappointed. I put my foot in my mouth big time. Uh, before <laughs> the game, I tell everyone, I said, this this was my, my preseason analysis, and now I might have to throw it out the window. I said, the Stamps will only be challenged by one team. I thought the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the only team that provide Stamps to challenge. Not to say everyone's going to be a walk in the park, but the Stamps do what they do for the last, you know, Since Huff took over, they should be fine against every team, I thought, except the Bombers, because the Bombers had consistency. A quarterback, coaching staff, and for the most part, they didn't lose any major pieces. In fact, they added a bunch of really amazing pieces, whereas everyone else, I mean, uh, Ottawa's not even on their first choice of quarterback. Uh, You know, BC love all the guys that are there coaching, but they're a new staff, and they got a brand-new quarterback. And then you look at Edmonton. Brand new quarterback. You look at uh, Saskatchewan, new coach. Montreal, well, three-ring circus traveling the country. Uh, you, you know Ottawa, like we said. And then Hamilton loses their coach. I didn't think Mazzoli could 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 match his success of last year. So I really thought this is the stamps for for the losing. That being said, maybe an early season loss is exactly what the doctor ordered to say, hey, it's not going to be a walk in the park. You know, so I'm I, I kind of put my foot in my mouth, but I'm hoping that they prove me right. Uh, down the stretch for the next seventeen, for sure,
0: just want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about one of the uh, the real bad taste stories uh, you know leaving the bad taste in everyone 's mouth out of week one, and that was uh Simone Lawrence on Zach Caleros, and again Zach, a guy with a history of concussions back on the six game injured list and, and a guy that you 're wondering if you should uh, if you should still be playing the c f l announcing. A two-game suspension. Uh, as of the time we're putting this podcast together, we don't know if there's if there's going to be an appeal. But there's a, a two-game a two-game suspension. Randy, do you think that sends a message? Yeah,
1: you know, I don't know what sends the message to players when they make dirty hits. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's a lack of judgment. It, it's hard to it's hard to rule on intent. And that's what makes it really hard. Like was someone Lawrence going out to purposely hurt the guy and put him out and you know he's not judging who he's hitting like a lot of times you're just in the heat of the moment. Uh you know, uh, I remember being fined for a hit that was, you know, a guy's helmet popped off and and uh they said it was a head hit where really, you know, we were down on the ground when I hit him and he was still moving forward and you kind of and I felt like I was I was uh victimized by the by the you know, the scales of justice, they went in my favor. And I was so upset, and I lost 700 bucks. And But, you know, I think it's fair. Uh, Two-game suspension. We know when a quarterback's about to go into a slide, you stay away. Uh, you know, it's almost like you, you got to stay away. I, I, You know, I would think, you know, a good way to, to, to save quarterbacks is to say, if you're going into a slide, the ref spot you three yards back. Mm-hmm. so that way a guy won't decide that he has to stop his forward progress there for if a if a, if a, if a quarterback goes into a slide he's automatically going to get spotted 3 yards back so he better slide 3 yards clear of his first down but that's going to save his butt it's kind of like a uh i don't know some sort of safety valve so that they don't get hit. So, so a linebacker sees him come and says, "Well, he's going into a slide. He's already." Going to lose and you, you're guys.
0: committed. To, you're, you're committed to the hit. You know, you're aiming at the numbers, and the guy's head slides into the hit zone.
1: Exactly, and you know, I, it's hard. It's so hard to judge intent, but you know, it's grilled into you. If a quarterback's in a slide, you, you stay away. Um, you know, but I also know, and in, in, in the in the culture of football, uh, there are coaches that, and I'm not saying this is what's going on. But at some point, maybe in this guy's career, he had a coach that said, you know what, whatever you do, take out the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll deal with the consequences. Because taking out a quarterback could give a team a win. And I'm not saying that's what happened there. It could have been when he was in Philly football and he remembers that lesson. But I've seen it. I, You know, we we coach against. I know, you know, I've done a lot of work with Coach Higgins and Coach Fasano uh, doing the Canadian Football Academy, and we're trying to teach people to play the game respectfully but mm-hmm. and and teach coaches to coach it respectfully. Uh, but but uh, unfortunately, there are still some people out there that coach these archaic ways where it's like, you know, they, they, they teach the game like it's a barbarian sport and we're trying to hurt the other team. And unfortunately, some of those messages do premiere. I mean, over the years, how many players, there's always, you know, the dirtiest player in football. They have that... that uh, unofficial uh, poll that comes out every year and every year there's that one or two guys that just take things to the other, to, to the next level. I remember, uh, well, he's a, he's a brother in fire now in Florida, but everyone remembers Rob Murphy
0: or, oh, yeah.
1: uh, or Jimenez, the hit, you remember on Anthony Gargiulo way yes. back then, it pretty much ended his ended career. career. Yeah, you know? uh, and, and Jimenez was a repeat offender, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Simone Lawrence, you know, he has a bit of a reputation, uh, um Kyrie's hit bear you know a couple of hits on, on what do you do with those guys well you know I, I think it should be an escalating scale of justice for repeat offenders that's the only thing I can think of in that sense because you know what the first one everyone's making a judgment call it's hard to rule intent but you know you get suspended two games and you're still making hits like that it means you don't care or you're just not aware so it's just escalate the, the scales of justice and and hopefully eventually they get the message. And, you know, most guys, if you get up to a five- or six-game suspension, uh, I don't know about you, but I can't miss uh, five or six uh, paychecks, uh, especially when the CFL season, they're condensed into, into six months. So, I don't know. Um, I don't like when I see a dirty hit. I like when I see a good, clean, hard hit. You know yeah, what? If a yeah. guy gets rocked uh, in a good hit and, you know, and he gets hurt in a good, clean hit, it's unfortunate. But that's part of the game. Randy, uh, like when
0: you were playing, like you talked about, you know, say Rob Murphy, uh, you know, Jimenez, a uh, bear, some of the guys, you know, th- that everyone knows are, I'm not even going to say guys that played on the edge. No, they were, they were dirty players, but was there anyone in particular, someone who's a little bit under the radar, a guy that you always watched for that you, you just didn't like the way you played the game? Ooh,
1: that's a good one. Oh my goodness. dude. I've forgotten so many guys that I've played against. Uh, guy that's, oh, jeez. I don't, you know what? That is such a that's such a good question. I wish I had time to think about that because there'd be a lot of radio silence right now. I, I would <laughs> love to come up. I would, I would love to come up with the name of the guy that I could think of. But I remember there was Eric Wilson. You remember Eric Wilson? Yeah. But he was kind of known as a dirty guy. He played both ways for Winnipeg. Good player. Gosh, I'm trying to think who's. Oh, you know, you, you know one of the guys that I played with. And then played against. He was he was known as a as a real uh, disturber. Was AJ Gas? AJ, but again, he was he was kind of known too, right? Like yeah. Oh, you, uh Jeez. No, AJ's
0: AJ is a good one though.
1: Oh, he's a good one. He's a good dude, but he plays the game a little bit above <laughs> the line. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm usually trying to think of the guys that grab your balls and. Bite your fingers. It's
0: uh, <laughs> a podcast. I guess we can say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I know there's those guys at the bottom of the pile. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there's a couple of salty guys out there. And, uh, you know, uh, played with a couple of salty guys, too. Uh, I know that Jeff Hecht was a bit salty. Tim, Tim St. Pierre was a bit salty. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Burke Dale's was one of the scientists when he got into into a little bit of a uh, a pile, and he loved the pile. Him and Wade Miller, they had some classic tilts. Gosh, you, you, you're bringing back all the memories. But you know what? I think I think everyone you got to play the game with a little bit of salt. Uh, and, and but most guys know where to draw the line, you know. Um, but unfortunately, you know sometimes guys don't. That's why we have refs. That's why. Uh, you know, they have a, a system of justice. Un- uh, the big the unfortunate is that guys get hurt. You know, uh, you could say uh, John Cornish's career was pretty much ended by a dirty hit. Yeah. Um, a, a bunch of guys, you know, they never were the same after uh, a dirty hit. And you don't like to see that. You don't like to see, you know, CFL, it takes so long to develop superstars at the key positions. And when they're taken out, uh, it, it's really a shame. Like a guy like Zach Kalaros uh, you know, he had an unfortunate string of luck in his career. Uh, you think of Buck Pierce, he's very similar uh, type of situation. Uh, you know, he, he took a lot of hits and, you know, unfortunately never got his career off the ground the way it should. And, you know, it's, it's, it's too bad. But, again, you look over the history of the game. It's part of it. Ten years ago, Dave, we were talking about a dirty hit. Yep. Five years ago, we were talking about a dirty hit. It's just what they do. To 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 fix the game a little more, so maybe it doesn't happen, and then uh, hopefully you guys play the game a little smarter because you know what, there are always people watching, right? Um, it's nice to be talking about the CFL that the CFL is being talked about, but you don't want it to be talked about like it's a goon league, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I think for the most part, really, the CFL does a great job. I mean, it's a everyone thinks, oh, you know, they always make comments. That CFL refs are so bad and this and that. It's like no, they're not. They got an extra guy and a lot larger field to officiate compared to their NFL um, counterparts, and that makes a huge difference in line of sight in vision and what's happening when it's happening and how you see it right and so I, I you know I think they do a good job of course, in the heat of the moment when a call is made against you, you think they're they're out to get you, but they do the best they can and uh, the The thing is the coaches. You've got to coach better, so the players play better, and then the refs don't have to make these decisions, you know, and um, yeah, so so uh, you know, it's like I said, it's unfortunate for Zach, but again, it adds to uh, uh, my theory that uh, there's a lot of change in the league, and uh, I think that the Stamps are primed uh, to repeat if they can, uh, you know, get over this little uh, early season. Uh, obstacle setback i'll tell you one thing yeah Uh, when i won the great cup in 2003 in edmonton we started the season one and three and then we went on and we had a huge run and i remember we won that cup and that was a pretty neat moment so um i don't think the panic button needs to be pressed ottawa um (laughs) took advantage of a couple of uh well, I would say just uh, well, Stamps missed opportunities, and, and Ottawa, you know, they, they they battled, and the Stamps are going to learn that, you know what? People don't just roll over for them. They've got to play 60 minutes, and I think that's a good good lesson you learn early on.
0: Randy, uh, we're out of time. The fire department has saved the day once again. Hey, we're doing this again before the end of the year, pal.
1: Yeah, absolutely, they will do it in person. Hopefully, that'll be great.
0: That's it for another edition of the Stampeder Podcast. If you like what you hear, give us a rating online. We want to know what you think. Don't be afraid to send in story ideas. We'd like to know what you want to hear right here on the Stampeder Podcast for Valentine Volvo. Google Play Apple Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, that's where you're gonna find us. This has been another edition of the Calgary Stampeder Podcast, brought to you by Valentine Volvo for the absent Jock Wilson and Randy Chevrier. I'm Dave Rowe.